Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 104 of the Speaking Club podcast. I wrote my own vegan joke for this podcast, but as often been the case in my career, it was deemed inappropriate. So, thanks to plantbasednews.org for this replacement. Me. I had vegan ice cream. Them. Why do you always have to talk about being vegan? Next time. Me. I had ice cream. Them. Oh my god, I thought you were vegan! I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Welcome to the show. So my guest on the show today is someone I've wanted to get on for quite a while, and we finally managed to make it happen. His name is James Aspie, and he has become a global public speaker with millions of views of his talks and hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. He's a speaker on a mission to wake up the world to the suffering of animals and the benefits of veganism. And I wanted to bring him onto the speaking club to share how he's made such a challenging and provocative message reach such a wide audience so that you could get some tips for your own talks. James has been on a massive journey himself. At the age of 17, he was diagnosed with leukaemia and given six weeks to live. And over the next three years, he fought to survive, which he did. And he emerged from that battle with a new appreciation of life and a personal understanding of suffering. And during his treatment, he gained 23 kilograms. And after being given the all-clear He began with the help of a trainer to get his weight and his fitness back on track. And inspired by the help he got, James became a personal trainer himself. And it was whilst on a cruise ship, working as a PT, that James met a man that would completely change the path of his life. And on this show, we talk about why it's important for speakers to focus on understanding and addressing potential objections and how James does it. Why James believes education is the best way to influence people and how he does that too. How he tailors his message for different audiences. Why we sometimes need to shock to create change. And why James uses humour all the time in his talk, even though the message is so serious. And lots, lots more. Just a small word of warning though about the episode. James is obviously very passionate about the subject. He does use quite visceral language strong imagery and some people may find that quite challenging around the suffering of animals so I just wanted to give you that heads up and then you know hopefully you'll continue to listen but if you don't think it's for you no worries Um, I'll catch you on the next show but before we crack on I really want to thank you again for joining me and being a listener of the show now if you're a regular and you haven't yet left a rating or review on Apple Podcast, which used to be iTunes, I'd love it if you take a couple of minutes to do that for me. You know I work really hard to create great free content that helps people grow, and your rating or review, and review even, how do both, and helps those people who need it to find the podcast. And I love reading them too. 
So the last thing I wanted to say, though, before we head into the interview, is that I have put together a fabulous new freebie for you called My Story Wizard. And this is going to help you find your stories, power them up with humour and other tools, and share them powerfully. In this freebie, I'm also giving away one of the story sharing frameworks I've created that you're going to be able to use in your talks, your webinars and your videos. So basically on stage, off stage and online. And it's beautifully simple and it is really easy to use, but it's so powerful. And I've never shared it before outside of my training courses. But if you want to get it along with all the other tips and tools in my story wizard, then you can pick that up at mystorywizard.com. Okay, let's head over to the interview with Mr. James Aspie. Welcome to the Speaking Club, James Aspie. Thank you so much. From your van. Excited to be here. You're nomad, you are. I am, I'm in my van. Well, everyone in the house I'm living in right now is still snoozing, so I came into my van. I could let the passion roll without waking anyone up. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me. So, okay, first things first. Can you tell me what led you to do what you do today? I guess I saw that the animal rights movement, the way I saw it, was, um, you know, just in need of every voice that it could get, basically. And, um, you know, I was somebody who never cared about animals. I also saw myself as a pretty relatable, pretty normal, standard guy, you know, just surfing and chilling with my mates and, um, you know, I thought I'd be a good person to relate to, um, you know, my demographic. And I felt very compelled to speak up about the atrocities that I was learning about because just I figured everybody was sort of like me. We always ate meat and dairy and eggs and wore leather. We never thought about it. We thought we had to for our health. Uh, We thought we needed meat for protein, dairy for calcium and eggs for omegas. We thought animals were treated humanely and slaughtered humanely. Fish don't feel pain. Plants have feelings, maybe, so it's not that big a deal if you're going to eat something, like, you know, either way. Um, And, yeah, and I just felt like a very, very strong sense of urgency and um, also a sense of justice that was not being upholded or or our own moral code of nonviolence, which is, you know, one of our most important core values in our society, was being completely ignored when it came to certain other species. So I was a personal trainer for seven years at this point, and I started to learn that we could get every single essential nutrient we needed from a plant-based diet. That led me to question then how do we justify slaughterhouses? How do we justify slitting throats and putting animals into gas chambers and shredding male baby chicks and killing the baby boys in the dairy industry and just horrific animal abuse, which as far as I realized, everyone was against. So it didn't make sense to me that we're all against something that we're all paying for, especially something so absolutely violent and horrific. And, yeah, I just felt a very strong sense of, okay, you know, like Einstein said, those who have the privilege to know have the duty to act. So that's kind of where I was coming from. I said, okay, I know this now. I'm very grateful to know this information and to have changed my life. I don't want to participate in those horrors anymore, and I know that a lot of other people are going to agree with me, so I'm going to try to just spread this message as far as possible. And it wasn't like a straight line from you from like zero to to veganism because you had cancer when you were young and then you got on weight and you got fit. And then I love the bit that you you tell people about 
meeting the old fella on the boat. <laughs> I just love, <laughs> I just love that that sort of got you into vegetarianism. And because um, yeah. he said to you that it was bad karma, didn't you? Hadn't really considered yeah. that before, had you? No, I hadn't considered eating animals to be bad karma because I thought it was necessary for human survival. So although I'd seen slaughterhouse footage before, I didn't feel guilty about it, and I just felt like. Yeah, that's what has to happen. So if anyone wants to feel guilty, that's their choice. But I'm not going to feel guilty for being a human who needs to consume the flesh of other beings to survive. That's what I always thought was a necessity. Um, This guy told me that eating animals is bad karma. I said, well, there's no such thing as a healthy vegetarian, which is something I had. It was actually just out of a, it was a heading of an article that someone who I respected in the health industry had showed me once. I didn't even read the article. I just read the heading, no such thing as a healthy vegetarian. And I said, great, I don't want to be one. I don't need to learn how to do that. Or if my clients come to me, I'll just go with that heading and I'll just repeat that heading without having any information about it. And, um, yeah, he, so this guy said eating animals is bad karma. I said, there's no such thing as a healthy vegetarian. He said, I've been vegetarian for 20 years. And I was just like, wow, okay, maybe you're an anomaly. Maybe you're a freak kind of thing. Uh, and I decided to try it for seven days just for my own personal experiment. And what I learned was that I felt amazing. And um, this is what really got me started. Because like I said, I wasn't an animal lover at all. I didn't even really like dogs. But it wasn't about do I like them. It was about what do they deserve. Do they deserve to be tortured and killed for products that we don't need and we're better off without uh, just because we like how they taste. And look what happens. We kill them. And it destroys our planet. Animal agriculture is a leading cause of climate change and mm. many different types of environmental destruction. We kill them and then they kill us with heart disease. The only diet proven to reverse heart disease, which is our number one killer, is a whole food plant-based diet, a vegan diet. That We have this sort of production line and we're kind of in a production line too. So many people are on waiting lists to go to a hospital where they're going to also get their chest opened up and... You know, ironically, put a valve into their heart from a pig's artery, and yeah, it's just a really messed up system. And they, the more violence that we consume that is in our body, the more violence we're going to see. And when good people are paying for it, you know, when otherwise good people like you and I and everyone else who are paying say, "Here, go, go and slit that animal's throat for me," I feel like a snack. That is, yeah, obviously going to affect our energy and the energy of the world and what we think is right. And, yeah, so it's. He, I'm really glad he put it to me in that way because at that time I feel like I was a lot more selfish and he made it about me and my karma and I wouldn't be benefiting to the fullest in my life if I continued to do this. So that's what I needed. I needed a selfish reason because I just had no care for the lives of animals because I didn't believe that they could care about themselves. Yeah. I didn't think they had the capacity to care about themselves. I didn't understand that they are just like us, you know? They've mm. got a heart, they've got a brain, families, they eat, breathe, sleep, they play, they talk and communicate. I just didn't realize the personhood of these beings. I thought they we were just so unevolved, so unintelligent, so worthless. Um, and there's just there's been such a beautiful growth in my understanding of the world and what I see when I look outside now because yeah now I see families and I see other communities and I hear conversations where Mm -hmm. before I was just like oh shut up annoying animals so yeah it's been (laughs) such a big shift in um in my consciousness I'm so grateful for it 
what was like the one thing that you learned or the one story that you heard that that was the deciding factor for you in not becoming vegetarian but becoming vegan because there was a leap from mm. vegetarian to vegan wasn't there what was that one thing sure. that took you over the edge i think the thing that it is for most people is you know we it's very easy to see that meat causes harm that's flesh from someone's body it's been chopped off their body you know we're eating legs we're eating breasts we're eating wings we're eating someone's body yeah yeah and and so that's obvious that's obvious that that causes harm you can't get someone's wing you know without it killing them or very badly hurting them uh but dairy and eggs for example they're much more hard to make that connection because we just think cows just give milk and eggs just drop out of hands and what's the harm in taking them so i think why you know vegetarian was a great start and um there's also another really good quote that I think resonated with me, and that is, the consumption of animal products extinguishes the seed of great compassion. So I think while you're consuming violence and consuming suffering, it's a little bit hard, it's a lot harder maybe to connect with that suffering because you're, little, you're literally creating your body out of it. You're literally putting it inside you and it's creating the cells that create your new body. And uh, I think once I stopped eating meat, I guess I just felt, a little more able to have compassion for animals without being such a hypocrite or feeling so guilty, right. you know? And um, so I watched a documentary called Earthlings, which shows all the ways that humans exploit animals, food, clothing, entertainment, medical testing. And when I learned that there's at least as much suffering and abuse and exploitation and slavery and violence in the egg industry and the dairy industry, because these animals... For example, cows, they're mothers. They don't just give milk, just like a human mother. They need to be pregnant or have recently given birth. And to facilitate facilitate that process in the dairy industry, these cows are put into a, a cage known as a rape rack. A human will shove it, their arm very deep inside the cow's anus and then inject her vagina with bull semen. And this is obviously without consent and against their will. We talk so much about consent and bodily autonomy in our society and good so we should but we throw it all out the window just because we want to drink milk from another species that was intended for her babies so what happens is when she gives birth nine months later the babies are ripped from the mother almost immediately the mother will run after them i've been on farms and seen this with my own eyes there's lots of videos of it though the mother runs after her baby they're very maternal animals like where are you going with my baby i've just given birth and the sad thing is that this happens, you know, four or five times in their life, once a year until they're eventually slaughtered. But, um, yeah, the baby's taken. Baby boys are slaughtered. as they're seen as a waste product. They'll never produce milk, so they're worthless in the dairy industry. And then the females have the same fate as their mother. They're raped in a rape rack. Their babies are taken. They're used as milk machines every single day. Process is repeated every year. And then when they start producing less milk and becoming less profitable, then they're sent to a slaughterhouse too. And at a slaughterhouse, you know, what they call humane slaughter is they get bolt gunned in the head. So they'll be put in a cage, which is, you see, you see I watched a video yesterday. I've seen a million, obviously, but I just watched one yesterday of this cow inside the box where they can't move, they can't turn around. And the guy's just lining up the gun, just waiting for the right moment to put it to the cow's forehead and fire this bolt through her skull. And she's so scared and she's just thrashing around and her eyes are bulging wide and she's probably been through hell already. 
And then, yeah, shot in the head and that will stun her and she'll start thrashing around and kicking her legs and she'll be shackled upside down and she'll be stabbed in, in the throat and um, bled out that way and then the rest of the process happens. This is dairy. This is what happens. Routine, standard, legal practice in the dairy industry. You can't have dairy without having without having exploitation and suffering and killing and that's the same with eggs. The male chicks, those little baby yellow chicks are shredded. They're a waste product too. They drop off the conveyor belt into basically a large blender called a macerator and just shred it alive. And that's the fate of these little tiny, innocent, vulnerable earthlings. And there's also that we can have an egg on our toast when we could have just had peanut butter or jam or we could have had scrambled tofu or we could have had avocado, you know, like there's yeah. so many options. Yeah. We don't need to eat. We don't need to eat those few foods that cause so much uh, violence. So that's what happened. When I learned that there's as much cruelty in those industries, I kind of asked myself, okay, I'm against animal cruelty all of a sudden. You know, I'm starting to realize this is a problem. That's why I don't eat meat. But am I against all types of animal cruelty or just some? Mm. Am I against cruelty to all animals or just some? Mm. And that's when I realized it doesn't really make sense to just have, you know, I, I don't, I'm going to fight for dogs and I'm going to fight for the cows that are killed for meat. It's like, well, okay, that's good. It's a good start. But isn't it a bit hypocritical or extremely hypocritical to love some and eat others, to protect some and stab others? It just is so so far from consistently moral and yeah i wanted to be consistent i was striving to be a good person i didn't want people to suffer because of me or animals and um i just saw this path that seems so much better in every way and it is it's so much better for our health and likely to make us live many more years and reduce our chance of countless diseases and mm. have less nutrient deficiencies and still eat phenomenal, amazing, delicious food. Like I was the biggest meat eater. I ate ribs for breakfast. I loved eating lamb. I ate meat every single meal all day, steak for brekkie, um, you know, but I don't miss it at all because just vegan food is phenomenal. There's so much good stuff. So yeah, that was it. And I just went, okay, and this is, I need to be vegan. Vegetarian's not enough. Damn, how did I, me, someone who doesn't even love animals, <laughs> biggest meat eater, what's going on here? How did this happen? I'm trying to retrace my steps. Like surely I took a wrong step somewhere. You know, it was still a bit of a challenge because I was heavily addicted to dairy. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I had an eating disorder from when I had cancer. And, um, you know, I, I was emotional eating. I was on a huge dose of steroids for treatment. So that led to an eating disorder. So for me to give up dairy was very challenging. Um, and then I learned that you can make ice cream out of blending a few frozen bananas with a splash of soy milk and just the most delicious, healthy, perfectly healthy ice cream. It's like, wow, I wish I knew this when I was four years old. But anyway, <laughs> better late than never. Exactly. And, uh, I'm so happy now. I eat it every single day. <laughs> a bit of peanut butter in there. And oh my gosh, it's so delicious. Oh, but that's, um, so that's nice. when I, it's so good. But that's when I realized okay, this back and forth of me going vegan for a couple of weeks and then going back again, this isn't working for me. I don't want to do this anymore. How do I stick to this? And I realized I needed to make a vow and say from this day on, January 1st, 2014, from this day on, I vow to never knowingly consume another animal product again and that was that made it a lot easier to stick to it you know when you make a vow to yourself 
I don't make them very often. I've only made a couple of vows to myself in my life. So every time after that, I thought, oh, what about that little bit of honey in that in that thing? You know, it's not a big deal. But nah, I said no. That isn't part of the vow you made, and it was fresh in my head. And yeah, it made it a lot easier to stick to. And that's a brilliant segue because that was 2014. Now, in 2014, not only did you make that vow to yourself, but you spent 365 days without uttering a word. And it's clear that you're really passionate about, about this mm. thing. So that must have been a struggle. Um, Bloody hard. <laughs> I know. How hard was it? Was it like... Long. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> not talking at all. Yeah, I thought that a good... You know, okay, so basically what happened was this. I got off my cruise ship. I had this this man who had told me that eating animals is bad karma. He'd also he taught me a lot about other things. He was a fascinating guy. He was like the Buddha, and he told me that um, he'd learned it through meditation. This is like an old Indian man, right? So I thought oh, I should do some meditation, and I'd heard about this course, a ten day silent meditation course called Vipassana, uh, where you meditate about eleven hours a day. You don't speak for ten days, and I did that when I got out of my um, cruise ship off the cruise ship and um five days in i was like oh imagine doing a vow of silence for you how good would that be and soon later i thought shit that could be a good idea to <laughs> raise awareness for something and i'm all of a sudden really passionate about something this could work you know and animals are kind of voiceless they have communication and they talk and they have a language and pigs for example they say 80 different things including their using their vocalizations and their body language that we're aware of. So they're highly vocal animals saying so many things, you know, um, little chickens and hens, they sing to their babies when they're in their eggs. And yeah, like they're talking, but we don't listen. We don't listen to their screams. We don't listen to their cries. Their screams and slaughterhouses are basically falling on deaf ears. So I thought, you know, I'll be voiceless for a year. This would be a good way to raise awareness. I've never heard of anyone doing this before. I think it might draw some attention and I'll travel around Australia and I'll do a vow of silence and I will um, write a blog and try to educate people on the things I'm learning and the experiences I'm having. And um, how hard was it? So hard. It was so hard. It was so long. After the first month, I was like, well, you idiot. What have you gotten yourself in for? Why don't you just do a month-long vow of silence? I mean, yeah, it was challenging. I learned other ways to communicate. I got really good at playing charades. I'm an oh, expert right. at playing charades, actually. And um, I wrote a lot of things down. And, yeah, it, it was worthwhile because by the end of it, I had got quite a lot of um, attention in terms of I was starting to get a bit of a following online. And I was approached by the most popular morning TV show in Australia, and they asked me if I could break my vow of silence and you know, finish it and say my first words on their show which I really didn't want to do because I was so nervous about public speaking, especially on TV. Like I was so bad at it. I always hated it. I was the worst in my school at it. I, I was known for how bad I was at public speaking. If there was a speech on and it was my turn, everyone's like, okay, we usually laugh at people that aren't that good, but James is a little bit too far gone for that. He's so bad. <laughs> they felt it's actually sorry. not okay to laugh at him. It's just not okay. So, yeah, I was really bad. And I was so nervous to be on TV. I didn't even want to be on the radio to promote my trip um, before it. But I saw it as such a huge opportunity. And my whole year was about raising awareness for animals. So how could I not do it kind of thing? And I I heard Um, you say that you, like, meditated for 10 hours a day and a few days leading up to the interview. 
So you were, you were trying to choose the right first words to say when you were on this interview. How difficult was it to come up with those words? And do you think you chose the right ones? Well, I was, I was kind of mad at myself because it got to, you know, day 350, let's say. <laughs> I was like, geez, man, you've had all year to figure out how you're going to break this vow silence and look at you. You have no idea what you're going to say. <laughs> I was so mad at myself. I could have been planning this for a year and had the perfect thing. But I decided I'll go do another 10-day meditation and I'll figure it out that way. And um, I just went and meditated and a little bit came to me and then a little bit more came to me. And by the end, I had what I wanted to say. Um, and so when I went there to the studio, which was the day after my 10-day meditation course finished, and I sat there and I was very ready. Yeah, I figured out what I wanted to say. Uh, I sat on their show. They said, what are your first words going to be? And I communicated to them without words. I want you to ask me why I did this. Yeah. And they said, okay, James, why did you do this? And I said, my first words were, thank you for asking. And then I said, the reason I did this was to raise awareness for the voiceless victims of this planet, the animals. We all say we love animals and we're against animal cruelty. Yeah, we pay people to mutilate and torture and slaughter animals. It's not for any necessity. It's because we like the way they taste. So I went voiceless because they're voiceless, I thought. But they're not actually voiceless. They cry in pain. They scream in terror. And when they do that, they're telling us they're suffering. But the problem is we're not listening because they're covered in feathers, scales, wings, or fur. And so we don't take their suffering seriously because they're a different species. I also did this to raise awareness for the way I've been living. I'm a vegan, which means I don't consume any animal products. I don't support any animal exploitation. I wanted to show people through my journey how easy that is, how healthy that is, how delicious the food is, and that if you're against causing unnecessary suffering, that it's the right way for you to live too. And that was it. And I was like, whoa. All I said was, how does it feel to be talking? And I'm like, bro, come on. <laughs> Just address what I said. Address what I said. Let's talk. Anyone want to talk? So I said, all right. It feels weird to be talking. It feels more weird that you ignored what I said. But anyway, no big deal. Because uh, I was kind of the first vegan message I'd ever heard on TV at that point. And um, it didn't really matter about them because that interview was seen by tens of millions of other people. And um, people wanted to hear my story. So then I started getting invited to do speeches and talk about it. And then pretty soon later... This speech got a million views. That speech got a couple of million views. This one got 13 million views. And the message really started getting out there. So I was very happy. And it was ironic that taking my voice away ended up giving me a voice that everyone, yeah, a lot of people heard. So That's brilliant. Well, one of the things, I mean, you, you mentioned they didn't really want to talk about it. I want And also some of the thoughts that you had is on your own journey. How much do the objections that you anticipate people are going to have about your message and becoming vegan influenced what you speak about and the things that you choose to do? Because I know you, you still continue to do activities that draw attention to, to the cause, basically. Yeah. Well, I think for me, like, my whole job is helping people unlearn. You know, we've been conditioned deliberately. We've been brainwashed to believe that animals don't feel pain and that we need meat for protein and dairy for calcium and eggs for omegas and animals are humanely stabbed in the throat and gas chambers are the most humane method of stunning and mate, people just have no friggin' idea how much they've been lied to unfortunately and it's killing them and it's killing the animals and it's killing the planet it's been very deliberate mm. and it's very it's very corrupt and very sad and um 
I feel very sorry for so many people out there who are really going against their core values, which is affecting them in many different ways. My whole job is just to find out what people's objections still are. Why don't you think you could be vegan? Oh, I don't think I'd enjoy the food or it's too expensive or it's not healthy or I buy free range organic grass fed animals. So it's fine. <laughs> Basically people just have such a long list of objections. And I know cause I've had them all myself. My whole job is to cross those objections off people's list with the truth, with the actual facts so it's easy because as soon as someone starts talking, I already know what they're going to say. I let them talk. I'm like, go on. Yes. Okay. Plants, you think have feelings. Sure. And I, boom, like get into it. Well, actually plants aren't sentient beings. They don't have a heart. They don't have a brain. They don't feel pain therefore. But even if they did, we feed animals six to 12 more times the amount of plants than what we could take from their bodies in terms of calories. So we're killing six to 12 times more plants and if you want to be a plants rights activist then the best thing for you to do is to eat plants directly to save much more plants it's just there's just it's all very factual the truth is so obvious once you hear it and you start thinking how did i ever think that this gas chamber that where these animals are thrashing and screaming and pounding their heads against the, the bars how did i ever think this was humane how can i believe that slaughter murder was humane how did i believe such an obvious lie you know but yeah that's the culture we're in everyone believes it people don't think about it do you know what though i don't even think it's that we believe it i think we for our own protection you know i sit yeah. here because i still eat meat and i i listened to you when i was looking to bring you on the show and i'm like i think this mm -hmm. guy could probably convince me like i can come up with all the excuses but in essence it's for my own protection because i don't like thinking about the person that i would be if yeah. i did it and and knew the suffering that do you know what i mean yes. I think you know there's a story of one of the ss soldiers and he saw that people killing women and children he said hey hey not like that kill them more kindly and that's oh basically what most people are saying oh kill them more kindly so um yeah it's it's also the fact that people think they're not going to enjoy vegan food. We, we think of vegan food and we think of, le we think of lettuce, you know? We think of a plant-based diet and we think of big green ferns or something. We don't think of spaghetti bolognese. We don't think of lasagna. We don't think of um, sausages. And all this is part of a vegan diet. We have vegan options of all our favorite foods. And the change is what I think scares people. Oh, I don't think I can change. I don't think I'll enjoy it. I don't think I'll feel good. You know, we have this image as well in our head of this sick, weak vegan who can't even get out of bed in the morning. And man, the, some of the strongest, most elite athletes on the planet are on a plant-based diet. And yeah, this is the optimal diet for the human body. So change seems hard. How am I going to change my life? But I'm so busy and I've got all these other things to think about. I don't have time to think about this. All changes, and this is the beauty of it. You go to the supermarket, you're going to buy milk anyway. Instead of buying cow's milk, you just buy the soy milk, which is right next to it, or the almond, or the coconut, or the hazelnut, or the hemp milk. You know, you're in England, correct? Yeah, like, yeah. Somewhere like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So, man, vegan options in England, there's no better place for it. You have so many delicious vegan chicken and vegan burgers and vegan sausages and vegan cheeses and vegan milk and vegan everything right at the supermarkets that you already shop at. So for you and for me in Australia, it's exactly the same. And in the US, it's exactly the same. The change is... You don't even have to change. You just have to change aisles, basically, at your supermarket. <laughs> You're buying all the same foods, just in a different aisle. 
um, and how do you find out how to do it and what to do? Join vegan pages on Facebook, local to your area, like Vegans United is about the United Kingdom. And Hey, what's in the supermarkets around here? And what should I get? And what's good? And you know, what's not good? And it's easy. You just, yeah, you got to put in a little bit of time to read a few labels the first couple of times you go shopping and then you're done and then you get to live a vegan life. And, um, and there's just so much benefit to that. But my whole job is just, is handling objections. Yeah. It's like, okay, I already know all the lies you believe, so I'm just going to cut through them as fast as possible and get as many done as possible. And the closer that you are to a empty list of objections, the better veganism is going to sound to you. So you think it's hard and it's challenging and you're not going to feel good and you're going to, it's not healthy and cool, let's go through it all. And that's one job of an animal rights activist. There's many ways to expose the truth. In my opinion, education is the most important thing and it comes in many forms because it's a re-education. It's a, and washing that brainwashing off yeah. so that you can just think clearly with facts and then make an educated decision about how you want to proceed. Um, and then obviously there's many ways to do that. I do a lot of speeches. I did, you know, the vow of silence. I, mm. The vow of silence was to do something, a big stunt to get attention to myself, which would get attention to the message. Um, I cycled across Australia during that year as well. I wanted to prove to people that you can be a healthy, fit, strong person on a plant-based diet. Um, I got tattooed for 25 hours straight. That was to raise donations and all my tattoos have a vegan message. So um, I wanted to have something where people say, hey, what's that tattoo? And I'm like, well, this one says Auschwitz begins whenever someone looks at a slaughterhouse and thinks they're only animals. This one says every morsel of meat we eat is slapping the tear-stained face of a hungry child because we're feeding all this food to animals. Meanwhile, millions of children are starving to death every day and if we redistributed that food we could all end world hunger like that like that alone should be a we should all just go hey we can end world hunger collectively if we all go vegan you know that's a pretty worthwhile cause for us to all get behind as a society um not to mention the so many countless other benefits but yeah like there's so many in it and I guess it's just making people aware of all these benefits to the point that it's too hard to say no to. Um, sometimes I go into slaughterhouses and I document and um, I said, this is what you're paying for. Like, how do you feel about it? Sometimes I would just share a funny joke about veganism and, um, you know, like there's so many ways to educate and to reach people because not everyone will watch the graphic stuff yeah. and not everyone will be moved enough by a funny joke, mm. you know? So yeah, you just got to keep going. And the beauty is now we've got social media where I can put every thought I've got, every little chunk of information, every single day, plan another seat, plan another seat, plan another seat, cross off that objection, cross off that objection. And yeah, then my inbox starts filling up with people wanting to go vegan. And, and now it's to the point where people are saying to me, man, I've been vegan for five years ever since I caught your stuff and completely changed my life. I've never felt better. I feel so connected to the person I was always supposed to be. I feel so confident in my actions. I feel so good. I'm inspiring other people to get these um, unhealthy products off the menu so they're living longer. And my mom, she um, fixed this health problem and I love animals. I'm so glad I'm not killing them anymore. And yeah, like, brilliant. You know, it's just, it's so brilliant. It's such yeah. an evolution. It's an evolution of our food system. It's an evolution of our ethics. It's an evolution of our consciousness. Um, we get to eat all the best foods that we always loved but it's healthier, which is what I always dreamed of as a kid. Like, man, why can't the unhealthy foods be healthy foods? Because they're so delicious. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, you can still have sausages, but they've got no cholesterol, which is a leading cause of disease, including heart disease, which is the number one killer. They've got um, no animal protein, which is linked to numerous cancers. Animal products, they get concentrated doses of pesticides in the fat. 
We don't have that, those concentrated doses of pesticides in um, plant-based foods. And there's just so many other benefits that it's like, cool, we get to eat the same flavors, the same textures, um, but they're healthier now. So yeah, like it, it's just a, such a great time to be alive and um, such a great time for the animal rights movement and for people going vegan with all the options out there. It's just never been easier. I've never been more enjoyable. And um, yeah, it's just a, a really good movement to be a part of. Everybody should be vegan. There's nobody out there who shouldn't be vegan. <laughs> I think they're getting the good. message. Yeah. They bloody better be. It's healthy <laughs> for every single person. The, the largest um, nutrition and dietetics association in the world, and this goes for all of them around the world, they all agree, but I'll just tell you about the largest one, which is over 100,000 accredited uh, scientists and other nutrition and dietetics professionals released a statement based on peer-reviewed study that a vegan diet is healthy for all walks of life, everyone, old, young, children, breastfeeding mothers, athletes, every single person. Um, it brings huge health benefits, um, likely to live longer. And yeah, everybody can do this. So every human, the physiology of a human is the same. We're, we're meant to eat plants. That's the optimal diet for the human body. The optimal amount of animal products in the human diet is precisely zero. Every nutrient we need is found in plants. So um, to have like the backing of, so, of the largest organizations in the world and the biggest studies in the world pointing to a vegan diet as well, yeah, we're going to see really amazing benefits for our friends and family and people that suffer um, due to not knowing any better in that way too and they can still eat their sausages so it's just so so exciting i know like your your message is i can tell the language is quite visceral it's quite graphic a lot of the time it can be probably to some people it would be quite unpalatable but do do you tailor your message to speak to different audiences or do you keep are you like i'm good this has got to get out there and i don't really care if it offends anyone how do you, do, you, um, do you manage that? Both, both. So, you know, I try to do it from every angle because I'm aware that different people will be receiving the message in different ways. Mm. For example, yesterday, I put up a photo that um, was a photo of a cow being killed. And I don't do this very often because there's so many ways to spread the message. And this is one that really gets people's defenses up. Mm. And, um, and I lose followers when I do this. Like I lost 500 followers since that photo yesterday and that's very common so i always know that's going to happen but it's the most powerful way to create change in people usually mm. out of everything you know in the comment section of a graphic video or photo is where i see people going okay that's it now i've changed i'm changing yeah. because of this whereas everything else is like another drop in the bucket another drop in the bucket but this is often the thing that people are like whoa I must change now. This is not okay. I'm not okay with this. Um, I definitely tailor my message differently. Obviously, when I'm speaking to children, so you guys love animals, don't you? What's your favorite animal, you know? And what do you think if someone would kick a dog? And do you think it's different if we would kick a pig? Why, why not? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. why, do we love why do we love dogs and eat pigs and wear cows? Why do you think we do this? And, you know, I try to just soften it a little bit. But, yeah. um, and, you know, I don't always use the word that animals are raped. I don't always say that this is a Holocaust happening, you know, mm. I, but it is. And I say that as well. Mm. But I don't say that every time because I'm aware that people don't want to hear those words all the time. Sometimes I'll just put a beautiful photo of my meal and I'll say, eat plants, not animals, just super yeah. chill. Or eat fruit, not friends. Or eat plants, not corpses or whatever. Like it can yeah, get yeah. a bit more intense. But And some people, I won't even tell them about veganism. You know, maybe if someone's really, really far away from it, 
I'll just get them to question who do they think animals are? Do they think they're just idiots? Do they think that fish can feel pain? I'll start real small, yeah. you know, and, uh, and that might be all the time you have for somebody. And yeah, definitely it's really important to tailor your message and not just the things you say, but the way you say it mm. to people. Sometimes I go hard on somebody. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like this is, you don't you see? And I'm just like, God, come on. Just look at this. You know, this is wrong. <laughs> But then sometimes I'm like, no, I really appreciate you watching this. Thanks so much. I'm, you know, I'll give you something to think about. And yeah, it just really is person dependent. Absolutely. And I love seeing, you know, like for example, when I do something called the Cuba truth, where we get on the streets, we show, we have a square of people facing outwards, holding TVs, showing graphic footage, standard legal practice happening in, in your country, in my country, wherever we are. And I just love, it's so interesting to see when you go and speak to somebody and this, this personality comes out in this way, this approach comes out and then you speak to this person for 10 minutes or whatever and then they go. And then someone else comes and this entirely different, slightly different attitude and, and style comes out. And it's just so cool to see, um, you know, because when you become vegan, you are probably going to talk about this a lot, you yeah. know. Just yeah. people are going to ask you about it a lot, if nothing else. Yeah. Even if you don't feel passionate to speak about it or confident to speak about it, you end up going to probably speak about it because people are going to say, why are you eating that and not this? Yeah. Why are you doing something different than the rest of the flock? Like, what's going on here? We don't mm-hmm. like deviations from the norm. No. Who, who do you think you are here? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that almond milk? Hang on a second. I've got a problem with that. So it's really cool that, you know, you become a, a, you see yourself grow as a communicator. Yeah. And um, you see yourself be able to handle objections and understand the art of influence. And it's conflict resolution because a lot of people are offended by your choice to not eat animals. And there's just so many skills that, that you are bound to learn from living a lifestyle that is um, going to get people questioning. Thinking. And that's just a fact of it. Yeah, exactly. And thinking. It's like, you're making me think. I don't know if I like this. Yeah, you're challenging me at some some deep levels as well, and I don't like I'm not liking the person that you're making me feel like I am. Yeah, yeah. And look, here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it. You're an amazing person. I already know that. I can tell. And most people are. We're just good, man. We're just trying to do good. Yeah. You know, if you were the one who had to go and kill the animal yourself, when you had another option, like if you had to go and kill a cow right now, I wouldn't do it. No. S- are you kidding me? You wouldn't even. There's okay. no way you'd do it. I'd love to watch you try to go do that. You'd never do it. But especially because you have other options to eat. So, like, fair enough if you had to kill a cow. Okay, you, you'd probably do it then. You'd do what you got to do for survival. You might kill a human to survive. That's a different situation. The situation you're in now is your daughter's vegan. So, obviously, you know that vegans have food to eat right yeah. now. Yeah. And um, for you to go and kill a cow now, knowing that you could just go and eat the damn vegan food, well, it's just not going to happen. And that's the thing. Every, we're all good, you know. We're all good people. And that's why I f- have so much faith in, in people's, you know, in people changing. Not only have I seen it happen thousands and thousands of times, but also people are good and yeah. they're not okay with violence. We're not violent people. We don't just go around punching and stabbing and hurting each other. So um, I know that the more people think about this and the more excuses cross off their list, they're just going to do it because they're not going to get to a point where they'd be like, you know what? I'm okay with this now. I, I understand exactly what I'm contributing to. I understand that all my objections are baseless. Uh, but you know what? I'm just going to keep eating meat because that's just what I want to do. 
Very few people do that. Yeah. Well, they might do it for a little while and then they're just like, you know what? Yeah. I, nah, I'm not doing this no more. So, um, and you're going to be one of them. I'm certain of it because <laughs> yeah, you're another, you're just another rational, logical, nonviolent person who has be, been made aware that there's a different way to live that is far superior to the way you're living now. Um, in many ways that are extremely important, not just, you know, when I was talking about, you know, oh, maybe I could do it. It's just a personal choice. And no, it's not a personal choice. Your choice currently involves many victims the way. Well, I love falafel anyway. Oh, me so too. Falafel's oh, delicious. Falafel. So I always keep falafels on a menu, so there you go. What, what about tofu? Because a lot of people have bad vibes about tofu, but tofu is one of the most underrated foods of all time. It, it can take the flavor of any curry or whatever you put on it. Um, you know, like, like people get um, salt and pepper calamari or salt and pepper squid. You get yeah. salt and pepper tofu. Um, it's meaty as in it's chewy and firm and delicious. Um, it's super cheap and very healthy despite what the propaganda out there from, you know, of course they're not going to want people to think soy is healthy. Soy makes ice cream, soy makes meat, soy makes tofu, soy makes chocolate, soy makes so many things. Cool, I'll give it a well, go. Well, often like people's first only experience with tofu is having a miso soup when they get sushi and so it's a couple of yes. little squishy ball, the squishy yeah. cubes that are disgusting. Yeah. Um, but if you go to a, if you go to a restaurant that, you know, knows how to make tofu good, like, or if you, if you even go to a Thai restaurant, for example, and instead of getting chicken on your stuff, right, you get tofu, that'll probably be pretty good, but I'd even go a step further. And if you can, you know, you can look up, there's so many recipes. I actually posted one on my Instagram story just last night and it's just like this crispy, mm, just like saucy, I don't know what it was. It looked like goddamn delicious. <laughs> uh, and you can easily make it. And the way you're talking you're about eating, it. Like, oh my God, this is gonna... tofu. What have I been missing out on all this <laughs> I'm going to go to your Instagram and have a go at the recipe. All right, I'm going to do yeah, that. Yeah, go make it and send me a pic. <laughs> I will do. Cool, right. I've got a, a couple more questions. So you have got a serious message, but and you mentioned that you use jokes. Do you use humour in your talks? Um, Absolutely. Do you find it helps? Oh yeah. Look, it's a, it's a really heavy topic, you know, talking, I go through all of it. I, I show videos. I talk about what I've seen in my own eyes. I talk about the routine standard legal practice that happens in factory farms, which is where 95% of animal products come from or probably close to the 99% actually. But, um, humor is it keeps people engaged. It keeps mm. people watching because even if they're not in, that interested, they got dragged there by their girlfriend to my speech. <laughs> and like, Fuck, I still don't want to be here, but whatever. And I'm telling a few jokes like, oh, oh this is going to be a bit funny. Okay, now I'm in. And they pay attention. And because they're paying attention engaged, they're getting the message while waiting for the next joke. Now, there was a time where, because I did so many speeches back to back, hundreds, and I started practicing trying what about this joke what about that joke and some would be awesome and everyone would laugh and some would there would just be crickets I'm like okay <laughs> i won't be saying that one again <laughs> and i and my speech evolved into honestly a comedy skit it was it was always the whole thing was funny almost and um that's when i actually realized hmm, okay i think i've gone a bit too far now i don't want this to be a comedy yeah um i think i'm going to take some of these jokes back out because I, yeah, like I want there to be humor, but I don't want this to be comedy. And that's also fine. There's comedians who could do a whole skit for an hour on animal agriculture and it'd be hilarious and it would plant a lot of seeds and it would be a really great approach. Um, but that's, that's just, I just decided that's, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a comedian. I wanted to be an animal rights activist who also had a speech that people could find a few points of it funny. 
but I think it's an excellent tool to keep people engaged. I think it also, it can bring lightness to heaviness. And yeah, it's just, it also can, it's an easy way for you to, to make, to like point out someone's bad behavior without them necessarily getting so defensive, defensive and offended. So yeah, I think it's an excellent tool. I really enjoyed using humor and also it's helped me just be a little more, when you're always talking about cruelty and looking at cruelty and hearing animals screaming and going to slaughterhouses and people arguing against this, even though there's no argument and yeah, like it's a exhausting job. It's painful. It's painful. It's, it hurts you to be faced with this all the time, you know? And, um, so I think the humor as well for myself, it just, I, I love to do it because yeah, laughing is good medicine and, mm. um, it's good for me too, to, to, just yeah continue to not make light of a of a horrific situation but to to be able to to find the find good in bad and sometimes yeah a joke here or there will Mm. just just be enough to to make it palatable and not too intense and people just leave feeling like they just got abused themselves almost you know the Mm. way i spoke to them so yeah i think it's a really great tactic i think it's good it gives them relief and in your own life it gives you a bit of relief as well because you can't just have you've got to have those opposites you can't eat this the yin and the yang you can't just have dark all the time you've got to have like the light as well you know absolutely cool if you can really really briefly take me through how do you put your talk together like do you you, use use stories do you have a lot of points that you want to get a few key points you know how does it work Uh i found that one of the best ways to get this message out there, at least for me, is to tell my story. My speech had got um, millions, over 10 million views. Mm. That was just my story. It was, mm. how did this man go from having cancer to being a passionate vegan, basically? And one of my speeches, the speech I give when I'm speaking to people who aren't vegan, is my entire story going from not caring about animals, just eating meat constantly every single meal, to um, taking a vow of silence and to becoming an animal rights activist. And um, I think that really peeps, keeps people engaged. It keeps them mm-hmm. interested. Oh, this is an interesting story. This guy took a vow of silence. So I start my story by just sort of saying, you know what I'm going to tell you right now? If you pay attention, this could be a pivotal moment in your life. That nice. If you pay attention to what I'm saying and you apply some of this, you know, I try to open it with like, I want them to be feel interested and, okay, I really should listen to this. If you've listened to this, this could lead to one of the greatest shifts that ever comes into your consciousness that ever appears in your life. And, I, and I'm speaking from experience, my own experience of how the shift has affected me and how it's affected millions of other people around the world. Um, so I try to get them engaged like that. And then I'll ask questions. I, you know, Maybe I'll say like, what would you say if I told you that i was about to stab a dog right here how would you feel about that you know would that cause you to would you get up and try to stop me okay what if it was a pig would things change would you feel the same or would you feel differently because you eat pigs and you feel like a hypocrite so whatever and i just i just put a few thought-provoking questions out there and i say i'm gonna i'm gonna try to rectify this um double standard we have and you know so basically, the, and here we go. This is my story. This is how I went from being this person to this person. Boom. Mm. I'll tell my whole story. I'll add in jokes. I'll add in a lot of humor. I'll add in stories of, you know, instead of just talking about the dairy industry, I'll talk about an experience I had where I, we rescued a baby cow who was about to be slaughtered. 
and then me taking care of this cow and learning about the dairy industry through this experience, I just found that's a better way. Yeah. Uh, I talk about factory farms through my own experience of being on factory farms and um, what I've seen and what happens and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what I've learned, and this took me a while to learn, is that the most important part is how you finish a speech, how you close your speech. Yeah. You have to close strong. If you do a great speech and you close it weak, people leave feeling a little deflated. If you do a weak speech but you close strong, people leave with that energy. So the close is just so important. And um, you asked me, would I change anything in the speech I gave when I spoke for the first time? I would have changed my clothes yeah. just a little bit. It was almost perfect, but I could have made my clothes a little stronger. And, um, and so when I close now, yeah, it's, I'll ask questions like, okay, so now you know. Before you knew, before this, you had excuses. You had objections. You had a long list of them, I'm sure. We've spent the last hour going through them. Okay, so what objections do you have left? Do you have some? If you do, let me know in the questions we're about to have. Um, or if you don't feel comfortable asking, go do your own research. But you can never now say that you didn't know. You can never again use ignorance as your excuse. You know now. So what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to change? Or are you going to continue doing what is, you know, as I've explained, what is so wrong in this and that? And I, I try to generally finish with like, you know, inspiring, uplifting. You can do this. We've done this. This is one of the best things you're ever going to do. As um, you know, yeah. as as Einstein said, those who have the privilege to know have the duty to act. You know, you can act. And when you do, your entire life is going to change. Um, something like that. You know, just like whoa, I really want to do this. That made so much sense. It clicked. Um, thank you. And then just boom. And yeah, I just try to finish it like that. And that's um, and that seems, yeah, it seems to work, you know. It, it gives people like a call to action. I'm not just like, okay, so you've had my speech. See you later. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do now that you know? It's, Brilliant. It's great. That's cool. And do you have any idea how many people you've converted, James? You know, I have heard directly. I have screenshots because um, I try to screenshot a lot of them now okay. just because there's a lot of, you know, I, I posted a thing on my story yesterday. It was two jars. Um one was criticism and one was praise. And the praise jar was overflowing. Yeah. And the criticism jar had one or two, but it's like, why do we focus on this little jar here? That's <laughs> true. Um, and that's what I do. I'll be like, James, I went vegan because of you. Thank you for your animal rights activism. Thank you for waking me up to this atrocity. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no worries. Good work. Stoked that you're changing. Happy you're vegan now. And then someone will say, oh, James, I don't like the way you did this or that. And I'm like, oh someone doesn't like what I did, you know? And then I just think, oh, sh I shouldn't do this anymore. I'm not a good activist. And it's so funny. So anyway, I screenshot them now. And, um, and yeah, there's thousands of screenshots. And that's just from people I've heard from. And um, I'm sure there's probably a lot more out there who have changed, who haven't told me. And, you know, it's also not about someone going, hey, I went vegan because of you. I'm just happy if someone even if all they saw was a, a vegan recipe from me, every, every drop matters, you know, every yeah. drop in the bucket matters. Um, and I guess, you know, I've, I've reached, yeah, tens of millions of people. Um, each person, the average person eats around, yeah, it's, it can vary, but it's about 100 to 300 animals a year. Really? So you, it's, oh my God. yeah, it's generally more an average somewhere in the middle. You, you think about a chicken or a fish, like you can eat a fish in a meal. 
You can eat a chicken in a couple of meals, basically. You know, and that's they're the main foods that people eat. And then when it comes to cow, obviously that's you know a lot of a much bigger animal. Mm. But um, yeah, people eat a lot of animals each year, and that's just directly. We're not even talking about the amount of extra animals six to 12 times more animals accidentally killed in the crop deaths because of the large amount of food these animals eat you know we're not talking about all of the um you know for example if someone wants to eat a prawn or a sh shrimp about 13 other animals die to get just that one animal that aren't used they're just uh bycatch just you know so we're not even talking about that we're talking about directly the animals that people eat um and if you lined up a hundred dogs you know, and you're like, okay, these are the dogs you're going to eat this year. And you had to slit all those throats in a year. Like, no chance. Oh, not gosh. a chance. But um, not even one a year. Like, of course. Well, think about it. another chicken breast, another chicken breast, yes, another chicken true. breast. True. Yeah, like that's a lot of beans. You know, some of them are six weeks old. Some of the pigs you eat are six months old. They're little babies. It's oh. really sad. It's, it's happening to children. It's, and these animals are very childlike, mm. so innocent, so vulnerable, so trusting of us. And we betray them in the worst way. What the f are we doing in 2020 when we can have vegan <laughs> so sausages? Yeah, I th I'm sure that you're going to convert quite a few people from what you said today. And I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on your talks as well. Now, I've just got a couple of standard questions. First yeah. one is, what's the best thing that speaking has done for you? Communication is such a powerful way to educate and to create connections and um, to express ideas and so for me yeah being able to speak clearly and calmly and rationally has given me the opportunity to bring more peace to the world less violence and more peace you know you can do that without a voice as well but it's much easier to do it with your voice <laughs> um, so i'm extremely grateful to have been able to use my voice to have that impact i can't think of any benefit that could possibly be higher than that brilliant okay cool now i always ask this because especially for people that are just beginning speaking it's important for them to know that everything doesn't go perfectly all the time so i always ask have you had a worst gig and would you share about it if you have well i completely agree with what you just said like it's definitely not always good um but practice 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 i was so bad at public speaking when i first started and now people come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, you're like the best public speaker I've ever seen. And I just laugh. So I'm like, oh, my God, that almost is sad because, wow, I started so bad. Um, but, but, yeah, you really don't have to be a natural. You really don't have to be an expert. Just get out there and, and be confident and know your stuff and um, let it flow. And, yeah, I, I definitely have had some bad talks over the years. Um, I mean, I remember one talk I gave. i just come straight from a slaughterhouse. And um, I was just so ruthless, so ruthless. <laughs> and um, it was, it just bombed. I didn't throw in any of the jokes. People just looked like not moved and just kind of angry. I was just attacking them basically. I was just like, yeah. you, this is your fault. It was that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. the wrong approach. Um, but here's the beauty of it. Cool. Next speech. I learned from that and I can do differently and it's okay to make mistakes. It's great to make mistakes. I'm so glad at all the mistakes I've made because yeah, I've learned so much from them and it's, it just adds to you doing better next time. You know, sometimes I watch myself on TV and I'm like, that was not firm enough, you know? And so I'm like, cool. Okay. So next time I'll be a bit more firm or they ask me a question. I'm like, I should have answered that differently. Next time I'll answer it differently. And, and yeah, and public speaking, that is a real 
a sought after skill that most people it's their biggest fear more than death mm. um and and if you can conquer that so many opportunities will come up for you you know opportunities to travel opportunities to speak about what you're passionate about opportunities to influence opportunities to create income or some sort of business like the sort of opportunities come from public speaking because most people hate it most people aren't good at it and most people don't even want to try so if you are if you have your foot in the door with public speaking well yeah, that is going to open many many doors for you and it's a massively worthwhile path to pursue smashing that's brilliant thanks for sharing that now what's the book that's had most impact on your life and why i think probably like i i want there's so many books i'd love to tell you about i think i would have to say that the book the power by Rhonda Byrne, which is which taught me how to be positive and grateful I think it's such an easy read. It's light. It's beautiful. It's, um, it's short, but that taught me how to be positive and grateful. And I think they are the two most powerful frequencies that we can run on. And when you are running on a, with an attitude of gratitude and being positive, you can make your dreams come true. You can manifest what you want to see in this world. You can influence people in a much more effective way and you will be happy. And, um, and and grateful for what you have. And when I learned that, I yeah, my life really, really changed in a significant way. And that book taught me the power of it and how to do it. So yeah, that was that's probably the most life changing book I've ever read. Brilliant. I'll, I'll put a link to. I'll check it out myself. I have I've read a lot on um, on that stuff, but I haven't read that one, so I'll put it in the show notes. Thank uh, you. It's great. I, I'd love to say though, there's two other books I'd love to recommend to everybody that are kind of more related to the topic we've been talking about one it. is called the the world peace diet by dr will tuttle mm-hmm. this just is like the vegan bible it covers everything you can think of every objection you've got um, and it's written by one of the most intelligent men on the planet um he's a genius and that's not like, that doesn't mean that it's written in this complicated way it's quite the opposite it's written in such an easy to follow um logical intelligent way it's just an absolutely incredible read you can also download the audio book for free from his website um, and another book is called this is a heavy read mm-hmm. but it's a powerful read it's called eternal treblinka and it is basically the parallels between the animal holocaust and the the nazi what the nazis did mm-hmm. um that you know if you want to get something to really help you wake up and see the actual reality of what's going on not just you know not just facts and figures not just but but to see the true brutality of what is happening, and that that is a book that will yeah move you forever. I think. Cool. I'll put all of those. Eternal Treblinka by Charles Patterson. I'll put that in the show notes too. Thank you. What's the best bit of business advice you've had, and why? Oh geez, don't ask me about business advice. I don't know. I don't <laughs> have business you're advice. Bit, you're selling something, whether you okay, like it okay. or not. Are you? Sure. Okay, I have some business advice actually. Um, the best thing you can do is stay true to your purpose. Don't try to sell something to somebody. Okay, I, I use a direct example, actually. When I was a personal trainer, I was working on a cruise ship um, in my last year. Before that, I was always working for myself, and my, my passion was to help people heal, basically, to help people with their fitness goals, to help people, you know, I think the money came. I didn't really have to care about the money. When I was working on the cruise ship, I had a quota. I was working for someone else. You have to make this money this week. You have to make this much money. And so my priority changed, and I started making less and less and less money. 
And it was because I was trying to sell and I was desperate and I was hungry for it. And I was angry if it didn't, I didn't make the money because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons anymore. So my advice, my business advice would be to what is the real, what is your purpose here? What is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? And don't make it about yourself. It should be some sort of altruistic goal, I would suggest, because it feels good to help others. And if it's a purely a selfish goal, there won't be as much, there won't be as much like good energy behind it. If you can make the reason you're doing something so that it assists the world or assists someone or helps in some way. Um, and, and my purpose, for example, when I made my purpose again, oh my God, I've lost it. I'm, I'm here to make money. And no, that's wrong. I'm here to help people heal with the information I've got to share it with them. My next cruise that came through the next week, I made more money than I'd ever made. And I was like, cool, I don't even care. I helped so many people. And that's actually what I got stoked about. So I think it's really important to have a, a specific intention in your life. Mine right now is to do as much good as possible while having as much fun as possible. I want to do both. Before, I didn't have the second part. It was purely, I am here to contribute to making this world a kind of more peaceful place for us all to live. And um, so when I did business or whatever, I would be coming from that, like looking through that lens of I'm here to help, I'm here to help. Not I want to convert you. You need to be vegan. Oh, another notch on the belt. You know, it was a, that's the wrong place to come from. Yeah. It's salesy and people pick up on that energy. Yeah, yeah. But if they genuinely feel like you care and you're trying to help them heal, um, then, yeah, you're going to have a lot more success in okay. my experience. That's a brilliant piece of business advice. That was excellent. It was, actually. I'm glad because that's, that's the only thing I know about business. I know it works for me. Good. Okay, last one. Um, <laughs> cool. If you could have one mentor, alive or dead, Fictional or non-fictional, who would it be? Mentor? Um, hmm, that's actually a great question. I don't know who I would have. It, it, it's funny. I don't, I don't have – I look up to people in different ways for different reasons. Um, I don't have someone that really, really – do you know what? For me, it would probably be a business person. It would be someone excellent at business because for me right now, my, the ideal situation would be for all my social media to grow massively – and to be able to live off, you know, live through veganism in some way, like um, I think it would be great to have more vegan businesses. So maybe I would have something like that or something like that. But I think for me, the, the smartest thing that I could do right now is to, I know how to speak. I know how to come from the right place. I have no idea how to really take things to the next level. And that would pretty, probably be the most ideal mentor I could get right now. People that flashed through my head was like, Martin Luther King or Gandhi or I think realistically for me right now I have something that they didn't have and that's social media and um, I think the smartest thing for me um, employ a mentor who could take my message from reaching 10 million people to 100 million people somehow. I'll email you afterwards some people some names so you might, they might <laughs> help sweet. you. Sweet. <laughs> cool. <yeah>, thanks. Um, <laughs> So, listen, James, thank you so much for sharing your time. I know it's early there and good luck with it. And if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? And, you know, about your message and about veganism, where's the best place for them to go? Netflix. There's so many good stuff on Netflix <laughs> these days. There's a documentary called Caspiracy. There's a documentary called What the Health, Forks Over Knives. 
watch Dominion on my YouTube channel. That shows what happens to the animals. You know, get educated on it. See how you really feel about it. You've probably never seen it before. But for me personally, I'm on Instagram and YouTube um, under my name, James Aspie. Actually, my YouTube, I've changed to James and Carly, me and my girlfriend now. Cool. Um, but I focus mostly on Instagram and um, on Facebook. Yeah, I've got a website that I never look at, so I don't even remember what's on there, to be honest. But um, there's probably some good stuff, hopefully. I'll put, uh, there is. It's a nice website. I'll put a link to oh, the good. website as well. Okay, yeah, I, haven't looked, like, I, I have good. not looked at it since I made it, to be honest. But anyway, it's there. And yes, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. I really appreciate any opportunity to be able to talk about these things that I think are extremely important. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for asking so many good questions. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, James. That's brilliant. Take care. So whether you're sold or not on the case for being a vegan, you've got to admit that James is doing a brilliant job with his speaking. And I hope you check out his website and his YouTube channel and some of the books and documentaries he suggested watching to uh, get you thinking and I'm sure he'd be chuffed as well if you went and said hello on Instagram and I'm definitely going to give it a try I think after hearing that I feel like I should and I would be upset with myself if I didn't at least try to to do it but you know it's horses for courses and whatever works for you um, but I hope at least you know it's given you some food for thought and also shown you many ways that you can um, tackle something difficult and still keep it engaging and powerful and compelling so that you can do that in your speaking. Well, thank you again for joining me. I hope you got a lot out of this and make sure you subscribe if you like the show as we've got some amazing guests and powerful solo shows lined up for you. Well, that's it from me. Have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to pick up your uh, Story Wizard freebie at mystorywizard.com. And also, don't forget to grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. You don't need to waste more time searching for an answer when the most powerful tools to becoming a great speaker and growing your business are already in your possession, your stories. The trouble is that many people believe that either they haven't got a story to tell or that you need to be a natural-born storyteller to use them successfully. But neither of these things are true. Everyone has stories, and I want to help you discover yours and share them more powerfully with my new freebie, My Story Wizard. In three steps, it's going to guide you to find your stories, power them up with humour and other tricks, and share them in a way that connects with your audience and sells your thing. If that sounds good to you, then head over to mystorywizard.com and go and grab yours right now.